Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website, ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show, jam-packed with guests. You can call in to the beautiful AM560 studios here uh, by calling 312-642-5600. Remember, we are powered by our good friends at TandemHR, your solution center. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. Check out their website, tandemhr.com. So as our listeners know, we love to profile interesting people, interesting entrepreneurs, people that have fascinating stories. And my next guest certainly uh, qualifies. Um, Jennifer Adams has a remarkable, remarkable story uh, Jennifer Adams rose from a cleaning woman to a multi-million dollar lifestyle brand CEO. You may know of her affordable luxury bedding company, Home by Jennifer Adams, and it's in Costco and many other places. And I'm just thrilled to have Jennifer on the program. Welcome to Get Down to Business. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Jennifer, you have uh, quite the remarkable uh, backstory, and I'd like to start with that and, of course, make sure that we uh, that we talk a little bit about your brand new book, Love Coming Home, Transforming Your your Environment, Transform Your Life. So Jennifer, you, as we said, started as a cleaning woman. Tell us um, the uh, what happened from that point to who you are today. Well, I grew up way in the country in a teeny town outside of Portland, Oregon, in very humble beginnings, like many of you, I'm sure. And from the moment I was old enough to work, the youngest, the thing you could do was pick berries out in the area where I lived. And the age requirement was 12 back then. And that didn't last very long because I had to go with my sister and she hated it. (laughs) So we realized we could also clean houses without an age requirement. And we got hired to do that. And that job sustained me all through high school, along with some other small jobs that we had as well. And it was the first step in my entrepreneurship come to find out about it. And I was making beds and cleaning toilets long before I started my interior design business, which then I was able to evolve into a product development company and uh, have brought bedding out into the market. So now I can help people sleep well without actually having to physically make the bed for them. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, you have a remarkable story and uh, clearly you have a very strong work ethic. And and that's something that I uh, certainly have picked up from from what I've read about you um, for a long time now. And so I'd like to start there 
Um, you, I know part of the message of your brand new book, again, called Love Coming Home, is that you can achieve your dreams right now. And that is the emphasis on right now. So what was it in, in, in you and your sister that, that as a young child, you, you, you felt that you were able to just pick up and, and sort of achieve your destiny right then and there, as opposed to relying on somebody else or some time else? I will say back then, it was literally out of a desire for freedom and choices and money and working represented that to me. My parents taught us to be extremely resourceful because they didn't have anything. And so everything that was brought into our home was either made by my parents to include our sofa or a hand-me-down from my church. So back then, it was more out of survival and choices. And as I entered into my adult life, it took breaking that cycle of working out of fear of not having enough to really achieve my dreams. And I have my book, Love Coming Home, talks about building your, setting up the foundation for your dream life in your home where you are now, whether you're in a shared space, rented or owned. I have another book coming out that I'm actually in the final editing round of, and it really goes more into my story deeply on breaking down those limiting beliefs and realizing that I could accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. But the very first step was getting clear on what I wanted in the first place and dreaming as if all I had was pure potential as opposed to what I had done in my past with just thinking, okay, this is all that I can do because I'm not as deserving as all the other people that I see out there achieving dreams and things. That's not really me. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't live where I think I should live. And all of that changed once I stopped that limiting belief and really got clear on what it was I wanted to do. So we're chatting with Jennifer Adams. Um, you may know her name. She's the CEO of uh, the uh, lifestyle company Home by Jennifer Adams. Um, a, a fascinating story. And Jennifer, I mean, I could tell from, uh, from, your, uh, from your work ethic, it hasn't changed at all. Even as you've achieved uh, success, you continue to work hard onto your next book, even as uh, this one is just, uh, just in, in the releasing stage, um, which is fantastic. So Jennifer, many of our listeners are are entrepreneurs, uh, much like you are, and uh, are developing their ideas. Um, some may be younger, some may be on their third or their fourth uh, career. What advice do you have for our listeners that have an idea, but don't quite know how to turn it into a reality? I would say first and foremost, put your idea out on paper. It's really important to get your big dreams and your goals out of your head because they can just become big garbled messes that we can't really make sense of. So first and foremost, write down if you knew you couldn't fail in every aspect of your life to include your business and your entrepreneurial goals, what do you want? And then take that goal and that hopefully it's a dream that's so big it actually scares you and then break it down into stepping stones, which stepping stones are like manageable bite-sized pieces that allow you to try your goal on for size. So for example, let's say it's something like wanting to lose weight. 
Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to lose 30 pounds. That seems unsurmountable. But when you break it down to one pound and then give yourself a deadline for that one pound, so let's say one pound a week, and then you break that down into stepping stones. So for example, all the different things that you need to do to get that one pound goal to happen, it happens so much more quickly. And the same thing is true with your business goals. So I'll have, for me, I mine are evolving continually. And I'm continually looking at them thinking, is this someone else's dream? Is this something that I feel like I should do? Or is it something that someone's telling me this is all I can do? And once I'm clear, okay, this is really what I want, then I'll break it down. Even if it's something like, for example, writing my book, that was a 12-year goal in the making. And at times, I would spend five minutes a day on it, which seems ridiculously small, but it's all that I could have forward from a time standpoint. And then I was ready when I met my publisher and the opportunity came to actually bring the book to life. And I'll do the same for, let's say I want to get my product into another retailer. If I have it in my head and I'm just even talking to my employees saying, I want to do this, let's try to do this. It's so much more impactful when we write it down and actually put it down as a true goal. And then I also do visualization techniques with my goals. And do you want me to go into that well, right you, now? Well, you know what? I'd love to have you back on another time. I understand that, that your offices are in San Diego and in Scottsdale, and, and slowly but surely you will be doing a book tour all over the country um, do you have any details that you can share with our listeners now so they can hopefully meet you and, and uh, perhaps uh, purchase a copy of the book, uh, again, oh, called I, Love Coming Home? I appreciate that. I have been in almost uh, not every city, but a lot of cities the past two weeks, and I've got a lot coming up. I'll be on KTLA in Los Angeles on Thursday and several, and then New York right after that. I was in New York this last week. And to buy the book, um, Amazon.com is an easy one. They sold out on the very first day we went out. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. They're taking orders, but it's also in a lot of local bookstores across the country, Barnes and Noble. Um, many locations have them. But um, And also my publisher, Beyond Words, publishing their website also sells the books as well well it's fantastic jane uh again uh you have a fantastic story jennifer um of success you as we said we started uh as a uh, as a cleaning woman and and working hard again starting as you said from desperation um where where you and your mom you built a couch out of scrap lumber and uh went on through design school graduate from Harvard's Business School, and uh, now, of course, uh, starting your own lifestyle company, Home by Jennifer Adams. The book is called Love Coming Home, and, um, and uh, Jennifer, you have some fantastic lessons, um, entrepreneurial advice, and, uh, and motivational stories that I know are relevant to all of our listeners, um, whether, uh, whether somebody calls themselves an entrepreneur or not. Um, you've got the lessons for them. So, uh, Jennifer, do you mind sharing um, your website uh, so people can learn a little bit more about you? Gladly. It's jenniferadams.com. And then our Instagram is Jennifer Adams Home, and Twitter is Jennifer Adams. Facebook, and- I think it's just Jennifer Adams. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Jennifer, I can't wait to meet you sometime real soon. Congratulations on all of your success, and please continue to share the stories with us on Get Down to Business. We're going to be back in just a moment with more about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You listen to Get Down to Business. You can check out my website, shalomkline.com. We'll be right back, Chicago. 
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. And I had the opportunity earlier this morning to explain why uh, this show is so important to me because I feel I'm able to connect people and uh, bring in a human uh, aspect of it. So my next guest is no stranger to the show and to many of the people that I interact with. Um, we've had her back. We've had her on the program in the past. Uh, Juliana Tamarose, uh, the founder and president of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council, a very, very, very dear friend and uh, partner of mine uh, in, in trying to uh, trying to make the world a better place. Juliana, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Shalom. It's so good to talk with you. So, Juliana, um, first of all, uh, I, I, I haven't done enough with this, but um, many of my close friends and uh, people that follow um, the Facebook page of the, of the show, Get Down to Business, have seen some of the pictures from my June trip with you to, the, uh, to northern Iraq, where, where we toured um, the Nineveh Plains, a uh, historic and ancient homeland to the Assyrian people. Um, where we saw the, uh, frankly, the destruction um, since the uh, since the uh, since the battle with uh, with ISIS, and um, we shared uh, some of the pictures and some of the stories. But I wanted to get you on the program so we could talk a little bit about what has been taking place and the work of ICRC, the Iraqi Christian Relief Council, and what is the current state of affairs on the ground. But um, first, to our listeners that don't know you well. Again, uh, Juliana Tamarosi, the founder and president of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Juliana, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about ICRC? Of course. I founded ICRC, Iraqi Christian Relief Council, in 2007 to fill a gap, to fill a void, which was the media and the people really were not talking around the U.S. about the plight of the Christians of Iraq that had been persecuted, first under al-Qaeda, starting 2003 with the invasion of Iraq, and then under ISIS in 2014. We were one and a half million Assyrian, Chaldean, Syriac Christians in Iraq in 2003. Today we have barely 180 or 190,000 left in Iraq. This all happened since 2003 in front of our eyes. And really the world was, was not paying attention. So I founded the, the organization after speaking to Cardinal Francis George, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago of the, the Archdiocese of Chicago. And he recommended that I start this organization to raise awareness and ask for prayers. In addition to that, our mission is also to raise funds to deliver for food, shelter, medicine, uh, clean water, rebuilding these people's lives. And that's what we've been doing for the past 11 plus years. Absolutely. So, um, as I mentioned, we uh, we spent some time about ten days in northern Iraq in uh, in late June, and one of the cities we could talk for hours, but unfortunately, we don't have that amount of time. Um, we could talk for hours about the about the Nineveh Plains, but I'm gonna I want to focus on um, on a city on uh, Karakosh, which uh, is a city uh, that just a couple of years ago numbered sixty thousand people, um, mostly all members of Assyrian Catholic and Orthodox churches. And the city was devastated. Uh, Juliana, tell tell us a little bit about the about the area and what the situation on the ground is. And of course, I do want to make sure we get to how people can help. The city of Karakosh, or the Assyrian name for it is Baghdad. Like you said, we had about sixty thousand Christians there. Uh, ISIS, when they started rolling through Mosul, starting June of twenty fourteen, in August of that year. They devastated that city, and majority of the women that were kidnapped and sold in sex slavery were from that town. Uh, these these homes have been either completely destroyed or partially destroyed. The destruction came 
through uh, by burning a certain chemical material. They burnt the, most of the homes or all of the houses. Um, the structures, some of them are still standing. Um, some have been partially destroyed. Uh, currently, the water situation is terrible there. The hygiene water or water that is used for hygiene either has a lot of chlorine that is injected in there. And as you know, when there is imbalance of chlorine in water, that causes uh, skin disease or and other diseases uh, when people bathe with it or wash with it. Um, and Or it's as dark as coffee color. It's very muddy. So that is causing a lot of diseases to uh, spread among the family members, among the families. Um, but the city is slowly, slowly coming back. Uh, there are about 30,000 people that have returned to the city of Karakosh. Uh, and we have built um, multi- countless of homes there which costs about 2500 to build either um, an entire house, depending on the size, or make it livable for them, for them to get out of the shipping containers that they were living in or in terrible conditions that they were living in prior to the defeat of ISIS. We've also dug wells, and uh, Shalom, uh, you know you're my partner in this, uh, in this cause. Uh, we just wired $15,000 to that city for them to dig new wells to address some of this water system issue. Um, so the need is great. People are in absolute need. And I, I always compare the situation, the current situation, to when people were liberated from uh, the terrible um, uh, camps, uh, death camps in Auschwitz during the Holocaust time. And people, the Jews, were returning to their to nothing, really. They, their homes were taken away from them uh, or were destroyed. And this is the situation that these Iraqi Christians are living in today. They're going back to destroyed homes or to nothing because they've been taken away from them. And this is where the Iraqi Christian Relief Council comes in to answer and to fill the void and to answer that call. Absolutely. So, Juliana, what really gets um, me going and what what I perhaps was the most inspirational part of our of our of our uh, of our journey together was uh, talking to many of the people from towns um, like Karakosh, but um, really throughout the area we 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 were in. Um, the hook as an example. Um, and, and we talked with many of the youth and these are, uh, these are individuals that were, uh, prior to, uh, 2014, they, uh, they were in university and they were studying various, uh, various programs that we, I, 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 this one story stands out to me. There was a young man that was in uh, veterinary school and, um, and, and I mean, his home was, was taken away from him. Um, we, we, we walked around and we saw, the uh, the destruction, the devastation, and and it really uh, it really took a number, and it's very hard for for people to call a place like this home, and that's why that's why I'm I'm beseeching obviously our listeners um, to to hear the stories, to learn more about the stories, and we'll share some of the methods that people can do that either through social media, but of course through supporting and donating um, to the cause. But these are people like you and I then and. And of course, we hear about water problems in the United States, but there's nothing quite like uh, like like what I've seen in uh, in Karakosh, the and and the work that ICRC is doing, the Iraqi Christian Relief Council, in trying to make these these cities livable again and allow the uh, the Christian people, the uh, the Assyrian people, to to come back home is really life changing, and uh, and and I, I hope that we can shine a spotlight on that. So, Juliana, um, tell us a little bit uh, of, most importantly, what can people do? 
please follow us on social media uh, to keep track of our work, to keep updated with the news that we offer. We're uh, on Facebook. We're on Iraqi Christian Relief Council. On Twitter, it is Iraqi Christian, uh, not plural. It's just Iraqi Christian. And you'll see our emblem, our logo. It's two hands that are holding the country of Iraq and uh, and a dove, and I believe uh, a cross as well. Please follow us there. Uh, But even more importantly, we really need people to get engaged. It is your opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. People's lives that, unfortunately, the American policy failed starting 2003. Uh, These people, like you said, Shalom, they were, you know, they were living. They were doctors, lawyers, engineers, students, and their lives were torn apart. Um, And... Uh, It is really, really uh, on moral grounds, if not anything else, we are able to help. For a lot of people, $2,500 is a lot of money, but for many, it's not. And we could change generations by giving a home back to these individuals. Um, Or if people want us to speak on this issue, if people want to hold small fundraising, every single dollar makes a difference. People can, uh, what I usually encourage people to do is to become monthly donors. Monthly donations, even at 5 to $10 a month, makes such a huge difference in these people's lives. Shalom, since 2011, um, or so, since 2007, uh, pardon me, we have changed hundreds and thousands of lives across the region. We've even reached uh, those who have tried to settle in Australia, in France, and across the U.S., so every single dollar that comes in is spent so wisely on these people. And you have the key in your hand. You are able to make a difference in people's lives, people that you may never meet. But I guarantee you, for the last 11, 12 years I've been in this cause, I've, been, I've dedicated my life, Shalom, you know, to this cause. I have seen miracles in people's lives. I meet people who've been raised really with donations that we've been given and now they are giving back well juliana um it's uh you are literally changing lives but uh you can't take on that burden on your own it is up to all of us all of our listeners so please go to that website iraqichristianrelief.org iraqichristianrelief.org donate get involved there's so many opportunities to do so juliana tamarazi thank you so much for joining us we've got to take a quick break right now for the headlines we'll be back in just a little bit Hey, welcome back, Chicago. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts on my website, shalomklein.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. Um, so uh, don't forget also to check out our amazing sponsors, Tandem HR. They are our solution center. Check out their website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630 Zero. So, um, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, about time management. That's a subject that I've talked about in the past, but have not uh, covered in quite a while. Um, so, there are uh, we we share so many bits of advice on get down to business with our listeners about ways to be more successful in business. But I always feel like I'm throwing so many bits of advice, so much information at people that if you are following everything, you are going to be a mess in your head. You're going to be running around um, like a chicken without a head, and you're going to be trying a little bit of everything, working um, for a couple hours a day on your business plan, working for a couple hours a day on your phone skills, working a couple hours a day on all of the other things that we talk so much about. And if you're following the advice of all of our uh, guests, 
uh, again, it can be quite overwhelming. So I wanted to go back to the basics and talk about those time management skills to make sure that you have um, a process and a plan. So the first part is having the systems in place. I've shared with this in the I've shared with you in the past on this program that I am a Google person, meaning I uh, I'm very attached to my Google Calendar. I schedule every single minute of the day. Quite literally, there is not a single uh, bit of space in my calendar um, from early morning, from about 6 a.m. until usually pretty late at night, 8 or 9 p.m., every minute of the day is scheduled. Sometimes it's completely packed with meetings or with phone calls, but it is always, I always put on all of my tasks and all of my activities. That means that, um, and this is a commitment that I've made, that when people call me on the average day, I will likely not be able to pick up the phone because I'm going to be engrossed in an activity. That's why I like to schedule calls. Sometimes I, I'll admit it, I overdo it. Um, but that said, it's advice that I certainly would advocate and share with each and every one of you um, fellow business owners to schedule your calls. And if you're getting a call that, uh, that, that likely is not mission critical, um, while you're working on an important task that you have committed to get done on a certain day, it's okay not to pick up the phone. It's okay as long as you follow up with that person. So all of my callers, all of my friends, and all of my family knows that if they don't, if if they don't have something urgent, I will always follow up immediately, and I will always send a message and say, "I let's set up a time to talk." That said, if there is an emergency whether it's with friends or with family or with anybody, a client or anything like that, I will always drop everything and immediately make that a priority. So time management is really, really important. So use a calendar. It doesn't matter whether you have a paper calendar or a digital electronic calendar. Have a system in place that allows you to keep track of your time. By the way, just on Friday, I was sitting in a meeting with somebody and we had to look back at the calendar from um, two and a half years ago and I had to check my calendar and I had every minute of that day allocated and I was able to tell exactly how much time I spent with them, exactly what subjects we covered. Um, I also use my calendar as a meeting preparation tool. By the way, as an example, this show every week, I'm right now I'm booking guests into November and uh, I put my guest information. If I talk to somebody today about appearing on the program in uh, in late November, I'll put the notes in my calendar. So as we get closer to the date and I'm starting to put together notes and sending them logistical details for the program, I will have all of those uh, reference points in my calendar and it's very easy to locate and very easy to find. So again, it doesn't matter what system you use. The key is to have a system that works well for you. And um, often people do send calendar invitations. I don't do that as much as I probably should. Um, I do send calendar invitations when people ask me to do it, um, but sometimes I find that people are a little uh, calendar invite heavy, and um, and they uh, because they want my availability, um, they'll start sending me uh, calendar invitations, and it sometimes gets a little out of control. And I want to be careful that uh, some of our listeners that might be tuned in right now, I'm not referring to you. I'm just saying that sometimes uh, you know somebody talks to me about something, and sometimes they'll schedule you know, far too long for a conversation. Um, and and I sort of need to continue to be in control and on top of my own schedule. 
Um, and sometimes we talk about something, but until we actually confirm the time, I, I don't always appreciate getting that calendar invitation. Again, I'm not trying to uh, send a message through radio to anybody that might be listening. I'm just sharing what works well for me and what I would recommend for other people. So uh, whether you send calendar invitations for every one of your appointments or not, I think it's a great tool. And whether you use Outlook or Google, all good tools to help you do that. Speaking of Outlook and, and Google, I know there's a big debate out there for uh, companies as you set up a server. Uh, these days, you don't really need to have a server for much of anything other than file sharing. Even that, you could really take advantage of OneDrive on Microsoft or Google Drive on Google. So there's not a substantial need for a server. Some companies do, depending on what line of work you're in. You do need something like that. But for email, I don't know of many companies that are managing their own server. So I know I shared a lot of tips, a lot of advice for you. I hope you find it helpful in the week ahead. Um, so take advantage of it. On um, I, oh, in, the, in the coming days, you can check out more tips, more advice on my website, shalomkline.com. While you're there, follow me on Twitter. Um, we'll be back with Aviv Ezra, the Council General from the State of Israel to the Midwest in just a moment. You're listening to Get Down to Business, show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Drew Johnson, a senior fellow of the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Um, Drew, you have said that the energy industry is paying it forward by paying for the Land and Water Conservation Fund, the LWCF grant program. Um, you've done a lot of research on the subject, and I'm thrilled to have you on the program. Drew, welcome to Get Down to Business. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So tell us a little bit about the LWCF, that Land and Water Conservation Fund, and what it's doing on the state and local government level. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually done quite a bit of research about um, sort of green alarmism and things like that, and sort of to to see if all the terrible things uh, environmentalists say about uh, energy companies and fossil fuels and things like that are true. And uh, one of the things I found is that... uh, Pollution is going down dramatically over over the recent years, and we can talk more about that. Uh, but one of the things is this fund. Uh, when an oil company or a natural gas company, a fossil fuel company, um, leases land to do energy exploration, they actually end up uh, paying into a fund that is then uh, redistributed throughout uh, state and local government that are used for things like state parks and greenways and bike lanes and things like that. So uh, not only is energy getting more efficient and cleaner and greener, but also in a very literal sense, there are more trees today and there are more hiking paths and things like that, actually because of the bad guys, uh, the fossil fuel company. Fascinating. So um, I know that uh, the press release from the U.S. Department of the Interior says that Secretary Zinke uh, announced that over $61 million is going to states to support parks and outdoor recreation. What that means, and I know you've done the research, that uh, I believe that the, the amount is over $2 million um, for the state of Illinois uh, alone. So how long has uh, has this been uh, sort of under consideration, and is this a new thing under under this administration? Tell us a little bit more uh, about some of your some of your findings and some of uh, some of, a, a bit of the highlights from this announcement. Yeah, so the fund itself isn't new. The way it's being distributed is new. Um, previously, so much of the exploration was being done in the Gulf of Mexico, and so the states around the Gulf were getting uh, much more of the money. You know, Alabama and Florida, uh, Mississippi and, and Texas, Louisiana, 
And uh, recently that money was changed, the sort of uh, structure that was used uh, for the funding so that uh, more states got more money and it was sort of spread out more. And that sort of replicates or or, uh, reflects uh, the administration's focus on opening up more uh, public land to responsible uh, energy production and uh, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's getting certainly, you know, Wisconsin – Illinois, you guys up there are getting more money uh, than you have previously. And, and like I said, that money is going to end up going to uh, state and local governments. Well, Drew, let me let me uh, touch on that. Thing. Let me touch on that for a moment in terms of the uh, the decision making process on the state or the local uh, level, uh, which, in my opinion, is certainly a good thing to be able to uh, to sort of allocate which projects are a priority. Um, does the uh, does this decision uh, allow that level of discretion to determine that uh, a certain project, a certain park, a certain public uh, area um, should be able to to be funded, or does that decision making rest on the on the uh, within the Department of the Interior? No, it's actually uh, basically goes to the state legislature and the uh, state parks department. And the well, that state, scares uh, me here in Illinois. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say in Illinois, that's not always such a great thing. But yeah, it's basically uh, some of the money is matching some of it straight up. But uh, yeah, it's uh, ultimately um, you know state lawmakers who who sort of decide and and um, uh, state agency heads and things like that exactly where the money goes. But uh, yeah, you'll. You'll see over the next few years more and more money going into uh, projects, environmentally focused projects, and that money basically is coming from the last place you'd expect it. Uh, that's fantastic. So, Drew, um, for our listeners that want to learn more uh, about the uh, Taxpayers Protection Alliance, some of your other research on other important topics, um, this is a fascinating one that has a, a very real impact for Illinois and for all of our listeners. So it's, uh, it's exciting news. It's, it's a great announcement. Um, but uh, how can people learn more about the organization and the rest of your work? Yeah, check us out at protectingtaxpayers.org. Uh, we're focused on making sure that you pay less in tax dollars, that the tax dollars that you do, do pay uh, are spent uh, more effectively and efficiently, and uh, we focus a lot uh, not only on federal things but on state issues as well. So Illinois certainly had our attention over the last few years, and Hopefully, we'll help you guys get that straight a little bit up there. Fantastic. Drew Johnson, once again, um, from the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Great news, great research for the state of Illinois and beyond. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. We're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be back on the program all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship in just a moment. Thank you so much. Hey, Chicago, you're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-9280510, 630-9280510. We shared a lot of advice with you on the program, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, from profiling people like Jennifer Adams, who is truly a role model and uh, and uh, a national celebrity um, so her story of uh, transformation from a cleaning lady um, uh, to the s- success of a multi-million dollar uh, world uh, and global enterprise, it's pretty exciting. And certainly uh, our uh, our other conversations with Juliana Tamarosi, who is a personal role model uh, of mine. And then, of course, uh, Drew Johnson and the research being done um, on uh uh, on on research on recent decisions from the U.S. Department of Interior, truly fascinating uh, conversations, and we love to profile those people 
on the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. So speaking of Tandem HR, they are our good friends and they share a lot of great information with us. So um, as we go into Labor Day um, tomorrow, and uh, of course, I wish all of our guests, all of our listeners, everybody that is called to get down to business a part of their weekend, I wish you a happy Labor Day, aside for enjoying um, barbecues and fun with family and enjoying the day off. Um, please uh, remember to uh, to give back to community, and uh, and this is a good time to uh, to remember what Labor Day is all about. Um, I actually was on another radio program this morning, um, and we talked a little bit about it. It's a really fascinating conversation. Um, so uh, Tandem HR offers a lot of great advice about employee benefits, and I thought it would be very uh, helpful and relevant information, especially as we go into this Labor Day and we celebrate our Labor Day weekend. Employee benefits often can make or break um, a work atmosphere. And if you're offering the bare minimum, your top employees are almost certain to check out the competition and see if the grass is greener on the other side. If you go overboard, you could put your financial bottom line in jeopardy. Um, So uh, I wanted to share uh, some tips about benefits that you can offer to your employees. And it's really all about finding a happy balance, a happy medium. And you can... Think about um, where your happy medium is by looking at these 10 sort of suggestions that Tandem HR has compiled. Um, but again, all decisions, they say all politics is local, all decisions have to do with your company and your environment and figuring out what works well for you. So flex hours. Whoever decided that nine to five was the perfect workday, there's very, there's a few different ways to approach this benefit. You can let employees work longer days so they can only come in four days a week. Let them choose from a selection of set hours, seven to three, eight to four, nine to five, or let them completely call the shots and determine when they come in and when they leave, as long as they're meeting their goals and their requirements. And speaking of work hours, what about working from home? Piggyback off of flexible hours, allow employees to work from home whenever possible. There's several software programs that will make this easy for everyone. An exceptional vacation policy. Have you heard about this one? This is becoming very popular. One unique benefit companies are starting to explore is unlimited paid paid time off. Yes, you heard me say that correctly. Unlimited paid time off. There's pros and cons to this approach and it may not be best for you. Either way, enact a competitive vacation policy that encourages time off. What about student loan assistance? According to Inc. Magazine, almost two-thirds of millennials have over $10,000 in student debt. Offering to relieve a portion of that debt after a predetermined grace period is an excellent benefit to offer employees. You can also offer reimbursement for continued education if it pertains to an employee's position. What about pet-friendly? Uh, this one I am very biased towards. No one wants to leave a little uh, little buddy at home. If your space allows, permit employees to bring their four-legged friends to work. Just make sure you're not breaking any health violations. Um, and, uh, and allow people to bring in their little buddies and, uh, to make the work a better place to work. We all, uh, have seen the service animals on planes. There's a reason that those have been allowed. People, uh, like having their little comfort animal available to them. And what about encouraging your employees to remain fit and active by having an on-site gym? Employees can hit the treadmill for a few minutes after lunch, come in earlier for some cardio, or get some reps after work. This is often better received than a gym membership, as it is far more convenient. And while company picnics or outings are often fun, see if there's any company-specific perks you can offer. For example, Ben and Jerry's offers three free pints of ice cream to their employees. Yes, three free pints of ice cream to their employees. Um, And I know many of our listeners probably are starting to go on the Ben and Jerry's career page right now to look into that 
perk and that benefit. Airbnb also offers their employees a free stay in any of their listings. Some some great employee benefits that uh, many companies and many brand names that many of us know um, are uh, are offering. Um, so you could be creative depending what line of work you are in. What about 401k and retirement employees are, are uh, retiring later and later, making younger generations wonder if they will ever uh, have retirement as an option. Make it easier for them to see the light at the end of the work tunnel by offering a 401k or a similar retirement plan. Bonus points are awarded for matching a portion of their contributions. Bottom line, you want people to be invested in this as well. So encourage people to give a portion of their earnings and set it aside for retirement. And it's no secret that the United States is behind the rest of the world when it comes to parental leave and pay. Companies who voluntarily offer parental benefits are sought out by employees. Hope you find these tips helpful. You can find more on TandemHR's website, TandemHR.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. Get on my website, ShalomKlein.com. Download podcasts from our show today and all of our future programs. You're listening to Get Down to Business to success. Let's get down to business. Have a great Labor Day and a great weekend.